0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Oasis podcast. I'm your host, Miss AJ. Thanks for tuning in. An oasis is something that provides refuge, relief, or pleasant contrast. And that is exactly what you can find tuning into the Oasis podcast. This will be a space where I and special guests will be cultivating intentional and honest conversations about life's journey. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe now. Also follow us on Instagram at the Oasis podcast that's T-H-E-O-A-S-I-S podcast.
1: Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Oasis podcast. Thank you all for joining me. Well, us, Jay. Today, I have very two very new special guests with us. Uh, today, we're going to be actually doing a new, a new portion of the podcast. I already have the sister to sister piece going on, and now I'm doing something for the brothers. So this <laughs> segment, this portion, yes, this portion is going to be brothers. Y'all all right? So we checking in with the brothers in the community, seeing how y'all doing, seeing what y'all up to, seeing what y'all accomplished, and overall just how you guys are. So today I have with me Andre and Kishon. Please introduce yourself to the listener.
2: Yes, hello. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm an original New Yorker, now I reside in uh, North Carolina. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna Chinese. hold that against
3: you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, you gotta try some different things sometimes.
1: <laughs> I hear you. <laughs>
2: I'm a 40-year-old male, um, previously incarcerated, 10 years. Um, I've been home eight years now. Uh, been working, educating myself, just, you know, building up the things that I learned throughout the process, you know, um, testing things to see what work, building on the things that do work, and, you know, just trying to make all of these days better as I progress and move forward. Thank you.
3: Hey,
4: everybody, I'm Andre Aparicio found up. it's a process, nonprofit organization, gives close help from a former incarcerated like myself. Just making sure that uh, everybody understands that, you know, support is key and support is we. We got to make sure that we support each other. We got to make sure that we are standing firm and giving the information and in the resources, you know, we can't hide the resources. And, you know, he is super humble, but he is one of the resources. Uh, funny story about me and him is we was actually in the same prison together. And he was one of the main mentors and reasons why I kind of changed my life around. He literally uh, pulled some strings in prison and took me from my workplace and made me take an actual course called Criminal Thinking because he was just in that position in the prison where he can get my program changed. And he said, You know what? All that gang banging and chilling with the losers in the yard is not for you. I see better for you, and I'm going to put you in this program. And I'm glad he did, because that kind of helped shape my life. and helped change some things around. And, you know, look at how the world works now. Well, years later, we're still super cool. We're still super connected. I still see him as one of the main changes and the mentors in my life. And, you know, we're just building and, and trying to maintain as we're going on. And during this whole COVID thing, we're just pandemicing how we pandemic. That's all it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> y'all said a lot right there so many good things i want to touch on but before we jump in how y'all doing i like that you paused and about that i like it <laughs> no, no,
2: no. um really overall is it, I'm, I'm gonna say managing and i would say better than managing even in the times because of what i already been through so this is it, it, it's different and it's more it's more vital to everybody else but like you know, I've been nowhere for a little while, so everything that's going on is like, it's bad, but I, I can manage the situation.
1: Okay, that's, I, I like that you pause because you didn't just say, I'm fine. You know how people just like to give you that, I'm good. I'm happy
3: <laughs> When
4: people I'm pause too.
1: and think about it, that you know you they're about to give you a real answer. I appreciate that. Yeah. How about you, Andre, what's going on? I'm,
4: I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm good. I think that what's been going on now has been consistent. So it's not shocking. It's not one of those things where it's throwing me off course. I mean, I've been consistently facing obstacles and consistently knocking them down. So when I look at an obstacle, I just be like, oh, shit, another hoop, another loop. It ain't nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I try to do. I try to keep that positive mindset. Of course, everything ain't always positive. But like, you know, he said, you know, we've been in worse places. And I always have that to fall back on. I mean people don't have that experience, but I'm glad I do to say, you know what? I was eating cold food in jail, so anything is better than that, you know?
1: (laughs) If you put it into perspective, I think during this time, I think, um, this might be the hardest time some people have ever experienced in their life, right? So, (laughs) this is taking people by like, like what, you know, what's going on? People are really losing it. And and that's just the name of the game, right? but I think both you guys come from this place of, yeah, I've been through worse. So you're kind of from a space of like, I can handle this. Of a space of, of strength and gratitude too, right? Like, I appreciate this because, you know, things have been worse. And I mean, I've never been incarcerated, but life has been worse. So right now I'm just like, listen, I'm okay. Like I got time to myself. Ain't nobody bothering me. That's
4: I, sure. okay. I mean, that's when I was having that conversation with somebody earlier. And I was like, six feet? You mean personal space? That shit ain't no problem for me. I thought that was what it should be. Can you back up a little
1: bit? Can I a little space? That's, <laughs> That's a fact. Coming from New York, both of y'all know people just like to be just On, uh, the
3: uh, on, your, on, <laughs> on <your> Everywhere.
1: <laughs> Everywhere. So you guys already kind of touched up on a little bit of background of how you guys met. But can y'all give maybe a little bit individual background of yourselves and then kind
3: of how y'all
2: intersected. OJ. All right, uh, (laughs) background, um, raised in Westchester County. Um, I would never consider myself the street kid, but you know, I'm from the neighborhood. You know, you watch everything that's going on. You learn things before you ever know how to do them. Um, Mm. You know, I always worked, school, excellent. Uh, Started selling cars at a young age, maybe 18, 19. I was always independent. You know, long story short, you don't really understand things in life. And, you know, it put me in a situation where I didn't want to be because I made the choices that were easy. Mm. Mm. Meaning, you know, when you don't want to do nothing, what do you do? You just, you go outside. So instead of running around doing the things I was supposed to do, I decided to go outside. Mm. Um, Still not understanding, you know, early in the the, the prison situation being, I'm not from the five boroughs. I'm not affiliated with any gangs, any churches, you know, I'm just a guy and they put me in this place where there's a whole bunch of guys and there's a whole bunch of things going on. So initially my first thing was like, I already know what to do outside. Like, this is what we're doing. Um, And then the same thing, somebody pulled me aside. I was like, what's the matter with you? Like, why are you mad? What's the matter? And, you know, we had some conversations and I've never been, you know, not understanding. So I I, I listened. Um, I got with a group of good guys who was into, creating programs that's, that's all they were doing creating programs pushing for college and that was more entertaining than running around and you know working out and watching BET all day it, it sparked my mind um and I, I really got deep into it I got deep into the guys who you know we started a couple of programs including the one that Andre spoke about which is initially what we met so I'm I'm a young man at the time, you know, 25, 26 and I'm meeting younger men who are just coming in, you know, 18, 19 and they're doing the exact same thing that I was doing and I'm trying to catch and grab and you know because all right, let me slow down. So I'll be speaking some time. So one of the one of the things that I learned is some people need a hand on. Mhm. Some people need you to walk them to the store. You can't just send them to the store and tell them what you want. Right. So one of the things that we learned was like you know sometimes you at least got to walk them halfway.
3: Mm.
2: So long story short, I started to get into the program and then building my mind and learning about politics and you know things that go on in the world. Uh, when I came home, I decided I wanted to be a substance abuse counselor. I was a substance abuse counselor for seven years before I relocated out here to Charlotte. And it, it, it's just been the thing of, of giving back and building up the next person so that something can, can continue to go on. thats, so, nice. you know, that's.
4: that's oh. It's true indeed, It's true indeed, man. Um, you know just a little bit about me. Um, you know a rolling '60s neighborhood crib and I, you know I still make sure that I. I I identify as that, as well as an NAACP member from my Javaker branch, as well as a member of the Reentry Task Force for the Queens Reentry Task Force, as well as, you know, many other things, because I think that sometimes people love to highlight your faults and highlight what they believe to be as negative and, um, you know, I had a conversation with an officer and you know he was just like, Well, you know, at the end of the day, you are claiming a gang. No, I'm claiming an organization. A gang is what you called it, and which is what gave it that negative notation. And you know, once you believe once you start speaking negative into a lot of things, my own personal belief, it'll begin to grow. It'll begin to grow, it'll begin to grow. And I think that's what kind of transpired. But um, to take it a step back, uh yeah, you know, I came from uh not your typical person that joins a game You know, usually they say they you know they don't have no father in their life. You no, know, two parent home, home, five other siblings, loving family. Christmas we had gifts, and I still joined the game. So I think that what we have to do is stop using that as a scapegoat and understand that people make choices and decisions. Yeah. And one of the main things when I go out and speak, I talk about the fact that people say that they're product of the environment. And a lot of people don't understand that you're not a product of your environment because everybody in your environment isn't the same. You're a product of your influences and in who you keep around you. And those influences, what really kind of took my life on the detour. And those influences made me look at school like, yeah, this ain't exactly the most important thing in life. Yeah, money is more important, girls are more important. And that ultimately led me to. Seven high schools in two different states and four GD programs before I got my GD, before I even went to prison. You know? So when I look at that, I look at the fact that, you know, I did all of that and I went through all of those things and then I went to prison and even in prison, I was still wowing out to the point my father came to visit me one time and I'm in a box and he's just like, You in jail, in jail? Like, you just, just not enough? You had to, you know, top that? Is that what it is? Like, oh, I'm in jail, but let me go to jail jail while I'm in jail, you know? And um, I always credit my grandmother coming to visit me on the visit floor and on Rikers Island. And they have a lot of strange rules on Rikers Island, but they made her take her wig off because it had too many pins in it. And when I came down, I was so confused. Like, why are you looking like this, grandma? Where's your hair, you know? And she's just like, they made me take my wig off and I blew up went crazy. But yo, y'all better respect my grandma, ah, 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 blah, blah, blah. My grandmother said, if you don't sit your narrow behind down, she said, I could wear my wig at home. If you care about me, then you would be home. And a lot of things kind of was planted then. And when I went to prison, I mean, honestly, and speaking, it's easier said than done to not even fool with the foolery in prison, you know, because you get caught up in the ego. Mm. ego has you like, even though I want to go home, ain't nobody about to do nothing to me, you're not about to violate me, you're not about, but those are the things that keep you in prison, you know what I mean, and, and meeting Black in prison, and him just giving us, you know, sometimes, well, like I tell people, you, no matter if you have an instructor, there's no better instructor than your peer, because you're looking at them and you're saying, well, you know what, he's in the same exact situation, not above, not below, and he's doing what he's got to do. And it's easy to kind of tag along with those decision makings because you have somebody that's leading by example. And that's my main thing is making sure that I lead by example. Because although people may idolize the Jay Z's and the Nasas and stuff like that, people are idolize the people that they see every day more than them. Those are the ones that they're going to actually emulate. And that was my main thing is making sure that I emulate those that had been in prison. Because I was there, for what they would call a skid bill, And when I met him, I think it was like, what? Seven, eight years in, you had down? And I was like, damn, how you did that much time in here, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I did this time, whatever came to be, but the goal is to go home. And I think that what I established from prison was that I have to set goals for real. Because you hear goals and you just kind of just push it off. But understandably, if you don't have no goal, Move you could be making could be endless, and things that become endless are tiresome. And when you get tired, you begin to detour. So, anybody out there listening, set goals first, and not only just goals, a goal <laughs> without a plan. It's just a wish. Get yeah, out of people in
3: the people. Listen, the,
4: <laughs> the, the the work, the work and the
2: goal is is like one of the more important things, you know, because sometimes we set goals and we let all these other little things sidetrack us. Uh-huh. And 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 if you have a goal like that, that's that is your work. That's that's like getting up, making sure your rent is paid. Like this is what I'm doing, and you have it, it's 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 so hard to stay on that track because. It takes sacrifices. And some mm. and, and, and the sacrifices, sometimes I don't care how you, you know, we weigh them, it, it could be high or small, depending on the person or how they look at it, or if it's just an excuse. But the sacrifice to get where 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 you wanna get, that's 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 the hard
3: part. For but them.
4: you know what though, what I've found especially is that like I was talking to the kids, we just did an event, we had to throw a whole basketball tournament for free, we did and stuff like that. And I was talking to some kids after I pulled them to the side because I had dressed some kids and then some kids just walked up to me, like, you know, talking to me. And they was just like, yeah, you know, we heard your name, Jerry Mac, and this, is this, this. And I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever the case may be. I said, let me explain something to you. And I want you guys to think about that. I said, let it ruminate. You know what ruminate mean? And they are like, no, I don't never heard that. Well, listen, you got Google, you got smartphones, don't you look? I said, I understand something. I was willing to die for my set and I'm willing to live for you guys now. That's the
3: difference.
4: Mm. That's the difference. You know? And sometimes you have to give it to them just like that, raw and uncut. Yep. Society has you thinking that you have to hide the truth or sugarcoat the truth. No, sometimes people need to hear that from the horse's mouth. Listen, I understand what you're going through. I'm from the same hood. I know exactly what you're talking about. You like, I'm part of my set. He's my nigga. We gonna ride or die? Where you riding to, and why you got to die? <laughs> why? <laughs> Those are the only two
3: options. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, what you're
4: and, right. and it's, it's, it was so much, and the kid was just like, "Yo, I ain't gonna front." You. When I think of OGs, I think of people like you that just tell us what it is. You know what I mean? I said, "Don't get me wrong, bro. The ultimate decision is gonna be on you." I just know that my job is to make sure that I say these things that people may not say to you. or I say these things that you may not even understand right now. Mm-hmm. But if you understand that the end result, like I tell the people, as long as the ends justify the means, don't tell me you want to be a basketball player, but you hang in with the drug dealers. that don't even add up. You sure you don't want to be a drug
3: dealer?
4: Mm. still got me fooled. Uh You know what I mean? So it's making sure that you identify the craft you want to work on, and you work on it, and you work on it. And and, and that was the main thing for me, is making sure that people understand that, because I felt like we didn't have enough representation when I was in my hood. We didn't have enough people to stand up and say, you know, you always knew that the chances of you going to jail or dying was high, But people never, ever, ever said, yo, you ain't even got to do none of that, honestly. (laughs) You could just go to school and do your damn thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, you do this, you go in jail, but don't worry about it. You'll be out soon. And that was the comfortability of it all. And I was like, and now that I think about it, I was like, that is the most uncomfortable shit, the most uncomfortable information that you could off- offer to a person that their brain is molded and being molded. And, you know, that that's just what it boiled down to, man. And that's like I say, you know, I always tip my hat to black, man, because I'm grateful for it. not even him gee all of them a whole bunch of dudes in the, that took us under the wing like y'all out here gangbanging for people that don't even write you all that don't even send you out money mm. that don't even check on your family and make sure you you know and and that's what it boiled down to
1: so you said so many things okay i'm trying to <laughs> keep my together so incarceration is nothing new to you know people of color black people i i think I don't know anyone who doesn't know someone or a family member that's been incarcerated. I, I have family members been incarcerated. Right. Mm. And so there's that piece of it, like what you mentioned that it doesn't matter what you, what someone says. It, it, it usually comes from like, it's usually heard when it comes from a peer. Someone who looks like you, someone who is age your age or whatever, right. whatever you consider to be your peer, right? And I think that is 1000% true. And it's another reason why I'm doing this, right? Another reason why I'm holding these spaces to have people that look like us talk to us, right? Because that's the way we're going to really, really internalize the messages. But my question to you is to both of y'all, and you did bring up a part of like, you know, we're in here and, you know, the people you're riding for is not really even supporting you while you're in here. Kind of another, kind of the other side of that. How did, while you did your time there, what was your support system? Like your family? Face um, <laughs> as as that. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. So, so first I'm not going to say I didn't have people that sent me things. Mm-hmm. If I really needed something. I can get it, but I wasn't the guy who got the regular all the time. But even with that being said, one of the things that you learn in there is that ultimately when you talk about real life situations, there's there's nobody there with
3: you. Mm -hmm.
2: If nobody sent you a dollar or any food, you're still still gonna eat, there's food available. It's still not gonna rain on your head. Like you still have the basics, but when you're talking about dealing with everyday life, like you waking up and you're having to go to your program or you with your friends or whatever's going on, there's just you. There's no cousins to call, Mm -hmm. there's no, it's, it's the people that's that's just like you. Either right. you have some good friends that can help you in there in a situation if you want to talk, if you're in that circle. But when it comes down to that final decision, like you're laying in that bed by yourself and you have to figure out what's going. On. You gangbanging banging it's gonna be a big fight tomorrow. You have to come out that cell by yourself. Like there's no there's nobody in the room with you. I can't sit in there and hide, or you can't sit in there and put a plan together to come outside. Either you coming outside or you're not. You know, so you start finding yourself in a more adult situations where you have to make the decision at the end of the day for yourself. That's
4: hmm. it's true. It's true. I mean. Luckily for me, I did have the support that I had from family. You know what I found strange, and I always talk about this, is the fact that those that I didn't think would ever support me during my bid were front and center. And those that I was like, ain't no doubt about it, my peoples is pulling up. I ain't never seen, you know. So it was kind of like warped in a sense, but. You know, to me, it was like, cause it was strange because, especially in the hood, like, what people don't understand, like, people always, like, you know, well, your people ain't come see you. Like, I think it's kind of like an unwritten thing, or an unspoken thing where we understand that our peoples probably ain't going to pull up as much as we think, as much as others think they should pull up, you know? But, at the end of the day, even if you're not going to pull up a little letter, send me a little money. Let me, When I call my family, let me know that you called and asked them how they were, you know, things like that. And I think that those things were one of the things for me where It was kind of like, you know, whatever. But um, like Black said, I think that you became so independent in prison because, you know, it was just you. It was just you. Yeah. And it was your job to get up to fight mentally, fight physically sometimes, to fight spiritually, to fight emotionally. And there wasn't gonna be much support unless you found some people that was like, we're gonna be your core. We're gonna support you. We're gonna do what you gotta do. You know, like, so it was, it was difficult, but I think that I had the right amount of support. And that's what I can say that I can agree with. And it was very beneficial. So-
1: Kind of talk about for both of you that point of because you mentioned you gotta have a goal but not only a goal you gotta have a plan, that point I guess where you you made up in your mind you know what what I've been doing is not serving me anymore, I gotta do more for myself and so kind of like explain how you got to that point and then kind of you know kind of how it grew after that.
2: I was in nowhere where we were and then I went to nowhere nowhere and every time I get to that place and you start to question yourself. You know, after a couple of days and it, it just doesn't make sense. You keep finding yourself in a bad place all the time and saying, This just this, this doesn't make sense. I'm I'm not happy. Mm. I thought I was angry, I got into this whole little fight and now I'm here and it's like that none of that, none of that equaled nothing. It didn't matter, it didn't Make me mentally better, spiritually better. It didn't do nothing better for me. Mm. Um, and, and and you just keep searching because you're already like you, you have nothing. You're there with nothing. And You're like I need something. I mean, in order to keep moving, like I think it's human nature. Like you have to. There's certain things that you need. So you're like I need something. It, it's some. So you you start listening to people. I might have went to church twice. Ah, uh, it's not really my move. You know what I mean? I've been the mosque a couple of times.
3: I'm uh,
2: not really into all of that. You know, and, and, and I, I needed something. Mm-hmm. When I found, you know, uh, I think it was a PACE program, one of the early programs, and, and I went to the PACE program and I see all these guys and, they, and they're speaking about things. I'm like, wow, all right, this is, this is something different. This, this makes a little sense. But in order for me to do this, what do I have to give up? Oh, man, I can't. My workout team, because this is at the same time as the workout thing and I'm on my workout thing. So it's working out that important, you know, body physical, as opposed to me trying to feed my mind. I could take some time out. And that's what I said, like, it, it usually takes a little sacrifice. Like I always had to give up a little something to get it to the next level. Mm. Now, I don't, even, I don't even go play recreation basketball at night because, you know, nighttime, there's other little things going on. You can learn a little piece and build and build and build. So it, it was just giving up to the norm. So quick story, first of all, I moved out the hood before I ever went to prison, I left. I was grown, I was 18, I was working, I moved 200 miles away from my town. And when things got bad for me mentally, meaning life in general, the reason I came back is because you know the hood doesn't ask you questions. People go outside, they don't ask you how your mother's doing. They don't ask you, you know, how's your kids. You're, everybody's outside not caring. Mm. So you're going to a non-caring place, which is why I said it's easy. Getting up, going to work, that's hard. I can go outside, stand out there, maybe get into a dice game, get some drugs, that's easy we grew up watching it mm-hmm. so when I went back that's the choice what I'm talking about like I, I made the choice like I don't want to care no more I'm just outside and the only difference I did is that I started caring I said you know what I don't I don't have to go outside. I can go out and sit outside and just let this time pass and eventually they're going to open the door or I can try to do better things because so I don't get caught in this trap again
1: That makes perfect sense <laughs> it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense how about you Andre kind of what was your process
4: I think for me, it was strange because I have family always comes first tatted across my chest. And it was a moment in prison when I realized I was putting them last. (laughs) And I said, How could you stand for something and fall for nothing? And I felt like I felt for the facade of what a man is in the hood, in the mask, you know, and to make it more relatable to 2020, I was wearing a bunch of filters. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
4: huh. These filters were so perfect for that time that I was recognizing oh Dre is this, he is that he is, this, this is the big crib, y'all better not ever disrespect he crazy, he wow. he shows up at parties they come with a dream team they dress nice, they throw money, they do all of that stuff and when Dre missing Sunday dinners at home yeah And when Dre was home, he was the saddest motherfucker on earth. His family moved down south. He didn't want to go down there because he couldn't leave the hood. And it was nothing worse than missing your family. Missing those that you really, truly love. And then, you you know, you talk all of this stuff and all about my family. I couldn't even remember the last time I called my sister or my mom. You know, so as I sat down in prison, it really slowed a lot of things up for me. And um, you hear people say this, and people kind of get all negative and stuff, but when they say prison saved your life, I think it's way more than just the physics. I think that you get the chance to sit down and say, yo, this is
3: insane.
4: The the thought of it all is like, you was really out here wilding, talking this loyalty... If you ain't loyal to yourself, how the fuck do you be loyal to somebody else?
1: You dropping them gems, bro. Go, go on with it. Say it
4: again. <laughs> so it's so strange to me. And then afterwards, when I did all this stuff, I realized that I had to speak on the fact of the misplaced loyalty. Sometimes we loyal to the wrong motherfuckers. And you pay daily.
3: Oh, extra.
4: You pay extra. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm serious, but I'm always in a at man. And I used to say to myself, like, this is your squad. <laughs> this is your squad you're loyal to? What about those that have actually shown that they're there for you? You listen to a whole bunch of motherfuckers that say they're there for you. That ain't enough. That ain't enough. And that's what transpired. I think that I had a time for self-reflection, I had a time for self-examination, I had a time for self-evaluation, and when I came to it, I diagnosed myself with mediocrity concerning and success. And I said to myself, "How could you be preaching that you're the greatest in the hood and you're mediocre?" mediocre in all these other things that don't concern this stuff because a lot of the times we look at building our street cred when we talk about street cred and credibility and then we look at the professional world and understand that without your credit you ain't shit and then when you spin back you say damn you cannot buy a house on street cred Mm -hmm. so we have to look for what actually means the most or what actually matters And sometimes that's difficult because of all of these things that's put in place, and we talk about society and society views and had some discussion about societal times on sometimes you feel like you passed your time. A lot of people be like, oh, I'm not there because of this. No, motherfucker, you right where you're supposed to be. People are, 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 have this built-in fear, and fear is really the thing that minuses everything. You understand? Once you can get over that fear, you gotta become fearless. Fear is the really the real standing block, because fear is not just fear. You think fear, you're like, oh, I'm scared. No. Fear is doubt, fear is insecurity. Fear is so many different things in so many aspects. You be like, holy
1: shit.
2: Fear is what make people say, I'm a product of my environment.
1: Mm. Mm. That's what
2: fear does. Because anything else, you would have to change.
1: Accountable, yeah.
2: Either you're a product of your environment or you have to do something different and change. And change into what? Mm. There's 11 people I see, one goes to church, the other 11, the other 10 sell drugs. So what do you want me to do different? I don't want to go to church. You know what I'm saying? If I try anything different, if I go to try to be a bus driver, what do I have to do? I have to get a license? Like that's scary for a kid that lives in the projects and only two people have a car, except for all the drug dealers, you know what I mean? So it's the fear it's perpetuated off of trying to do something different. It's easier to do the regular.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And, and that's what it is. People look at the people in the hood and be like, wow. And they put them on this pedestal. And in the real world, that motherfucker's below average. But people don't want to speak on it because of who they are,
3: mm-hmm.
4: because of this. Me, in general, i just be like, yo, honestly, y'all ain't even where you supposed to be. You're a grown-ass man. We're not trying to hear none of that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't celebrate none of that stuff. You got to do more. To me, in general, like I told them, you know, and I caused a whole ruckus. I told them, listen, you ain't Crip unless you actually giving back. Don't look at me. Don't come to me. Don't tell me. No, I don't need your props, none of that stuff. Unless you giving back. Crip stands for Community Revolution and Progress. And y'all ain't in no types of anything.
1: And that's a fact. And that's a, so I live in Brooklyn. I live Crown Heights slash East Flatbush.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So,
1: okay, exactly. So growing up, you know, games has always been everywhere, but it's like the idea and the, the perception I have of gangs growing up and what they are now are very different. Like mm. I grew up surrounded by gang members and they were never disrespectful. They, you know what I mean? They, granted, when they did what they had to do, they did what they had to do. But there was also a level of, like, respect and regard, to,
3: mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like what's happening now <laughs> is just different. <laughs> and the thing is, though, kind of the point that you made is that I feel like there's this level of disconnect to, to what the core actually was and mm-hmm. supposed to be and what they're thinking it is, what power mm-hmm. is, thinking whatever this thing is right. to, it is it, it, it is now and you can hear from the conversations, you can hear from even sometimes dialogue you know the older folks try to talk to them there's no respect there's no regard
4: mm-hmm. they're
1: just, just in a different place in space and these are not children I want to make this clear
4: Yeah, oh, no, yeah.
1: No, 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 no. these are people who are probably your age, my age, older and that's the part that's like what happened? Where's the disconnect? Right? But it it and that's why I think I also I come from a space of like gangs is not what the problem is. That's not what it is. If you know the history of gangs, if you understood why they were created, if you understood what they did in the hood and for our people, you, you wouldn't sit here and think it's a negative thing. Right. What the issue is is those who are joining who do not understand that. Those mm. who are repping and they don't get it <laughs> right um and they're they're causing quote unquote this um they're causing this chaos in, in the neighborhoods that they claim that they'll die for and they love but they're not even showing respect for or the people too the people in- <laughs> it's,
4: it's insane they're dying for blocks they don't even own can your mama no don't own they've
1: been on they've been on the block for generations and nobody
4: nobody owns nothing they nothing. still rent. No, you know, and that's my biggest issue. And I think that what we have to do is empower, because these are essentially power groups. Uh, gang violence is like 90% of the violence in the community. Mm-hmm. But what people don't understand the statistic of it all is only 3% of the people in the community create the violence. Can you believe that? 97% of the people in each community is chilling. It's literally the same people doing the same shit over and over and over again. So, what do we do? They create cure violence programs. To me, that's a bold name. Cure violence? Well, goddamn. They ain't cured nothing in my lifetime, but y'all about to cure violence?
3: That's (laughs) real.
4: And then I look at these cure violence programs, and they have things like, we're going to do a ride out for violence. So they're going to get a whole bunch of people on motorcycles to ride through the neighborhoods. Those ain't the niggas shooting motherfuckers. Yeah. So how does that benefit anything?
3: Uh-huh.
4: You know, and I think that, like you said, the biggest thing is the disconnect. Also, the approach. Also, what you got to offer. You ain't going to tell me to get, the, get off the corner where I'm making money and offer me the good life down the line? Oh, nah, nigga, I need something right now. Mm-hmm. So what do we got? Nothing. So what happens? They continue to do what they're gonna do. And what happens if we continue to sit here and do this? There are reasons why people say that there's money in care and not the cure. Because if they cured it, there wouldn't be no issue. But as long as they're able to, Allow it to an extent, yeah. We ain't even gonna talk about that. That's another part. That is, that's All I see was steam <laughs> engine steam, <laughs> steam, starting to go to train. I, I ain't even <laughs> gonna, you know what? I let's, told myself I was gonna behave tonight.
1: Let's dive into because you, you both are part of the change, right? You turned your experiences, you turned what was into what it is now, and you are healing the community so let's talk about that let's dive into that talk about how you why you started your organization well what your organization is I know you mentioned it at the top of the podcast but what your organization is how you started it and what you do
4: so why I started my nonprofit organization I came home April 25th 2011 with the jailhouse severance package which is a $40 and metro card i gave it to the person that came out that was released with me because i didn't want the state to say that they gave me anything when i started and then i realized that as black was saying the support that they're supposed to be for those that come home it's not there we have what they call phase three when you come home and they put you in this program and you're supposed to learn about all of these things that are available to you when you're released and i took that information and when i got home i called those numbers that were disconnect so that right there was a sign to me that you gonna have to do this on your own right cool down the line i went through this i went through numerous um obstacles and things like that and i realized that there's just not enough support and i wanted to create that support that real support and that's why i started it's a process because life is a process you know what i mean and you could do everything all at one time, but you won't learn anything. The learning is in the process. And I think that what it's a process did was, now we offered help, but we offered it through third-party referral sources that we actually knew did do. And that's what we wanted to do, highlight those programs. I said, you know what? Even if it goes against our organization rules, we still going to help you. And that's who I need on my side. That's not gonna say, nope, sorry, we can't deal with that. Because you turning that person away could be turning them to a whole other route. And we don't need that. So I started this organization. We've done numerous community activities. We've done numerous work in the community. Um, we do a lot of speaking engagements. I had all types of contracts with the DOE, doing mentoring groups. Uh, I've spoken in Jamaica, Queens, to Kingston, Jamaica. I've spoken all across this country from New York to LA, doing these reentry programs, doing these things. And, you know, Black is one of our, our leaders down here. For, it's a process in Charlotte. And, you know, we're getting things rocking and rolling because we need to take this to the next level, and we need to make sure that we're pushing this, and and that the idea is that we have to not only uh, expand, but we have to strengthen. And the only way to really, truly strengthen is to make sure that you collaborate. Mm
1: -hmm. A
4: lot of people think that, you know, the easiest way to the top is by yourself. Are you next? That's
1: a fact. That's a fact.
4: It's about networking. Yes. Network is net worth. Uh I've done some things with no money at all just off of who I knew and who they knew so we want to make sure that we expand on that and we were just talking before we jumped on this call about our next move and what we're going to do and how we're going to do that and how we're going to take advantage of this virtual thing and and how we're now able to instead of them having to fly black out to Cali and me to uh you know Arizona how we can do this virtually right how we can get this world across virtually. So we're going to explain, we're going to push, and the idea is to, for, non, for it's a process. The main thing is to support those that's formerly incarcerated, and also mentor the youth to deter them from even being incarcerated. And lastly, to join and do community outreach with community partners and people that are in our community because essentially when you come home, you come back to the community, mm-hmm. right? So we need to make sure that the community knows like, Aside from what you heard, it's safe to actually deal with somebody that's formerly incarcerated. Recidivism rate, when we talk about recidivism, we talk about the people that usually go back to prison. Recidivism rate is 78%, right? In New York City, New York City has the highest recidivism rate in the whole entire country. Right, And that's technical violations. So 91% of the people go back for technical violations, which is programs, which is curfew, curfew. violations, which is drug offense, which is using drugs while on parole. Only 9% go back for new charges. Wait a minute, so we preach preaching this recidivism, rate, right? But only 9% of them are actually committing more crimes? Right. Y'all violating people for not being home at nine o'clock because he got home at 10? We have to adjust this. We have to talk about it. So I'm part of this coalition that's also a part of what they call, we have legislation right now. And we talk about, you know, less is more act. Less is more act states that we got to address these technical violations. If people are going back, 91% of people are going back and they ain't even commit new crimes. I think that's a bit dangerous. You send a person back for 45 days. This person has been working. He has an apartment. He has all these things. In 45 days, you can lose all of that. And then he comes home to nothing. He has to go to the shelter and you tell him he has to do a program and start all over. His chances of being successful in life are slender than none. Because not only did he come back to nothing, he comes back now with a chip on his shoulder and a lost opportunity. Does it seem like cure and care like I was talking about earlier?
1: Well, you know this.
4: We're not going to talk about that because that's another (laughs)
1: podcast.
4: But I'm going to put that out there because that's what I do. I tell people I ain't got nothing to lose. I came home with absolutely nothing. Literally. I have two businesses and I work two jobs. I am actually the program manager for the Council Airport Opportunities. My job is to get the formerly incarcerated jobs at JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark Airport. And I'm also a parole coordinator at an outpatient treatment program. Doing both those jobs. Doing what I gotta do. I I remember when I ain't had a dollar. And I'm like a smidget from making six figures with no degree. So I take that and I say not to boast. I say we can make this happen if we really need to make it happen. Because aside from that, I still do speaking engagements where they already know if that thing under $300, I ain't coming out you ain't about to use me, you ain't about to redemption me to death. Because black people are non-profit themselves to death because the white man say that you gotta pay back to society, the same society that don't even want you to.
3: Uh-huh.
4: But that's another part, <laughs> yo, the the y'all getting me started? I'm just trying to chill today, man. I'm just happy to be here. Like, I ain't even, you know, like, I've been watching her podcast, I've been listening, you know, she be having her peoples on, they be talking their little how the sisters be sometime when they group up. You know I'm what a, I mean?
3: I'm a tone. But, but, but I think
4: that me and you and her and her top dog, and I think that we gotta have this conversation on relationships, we got and not just relationship, the relationship with yourself first before mm. you with somebody else. I That's
1: would love to hear men talk about
4: that. You understand?
1: i would love to hear that
4: it's the, it's, listen i'm it's, sliding I ain't even it's about the to same it.
2: it's, right? it's the same work you know it's it's not a lot of people who who are ready to work
3: mm.
2: and when i talk about work i mean like like running around like he can run around and do half of the jobs he does and probably still make the same money if it was for him mm-hmm. But in order to you can't you can't I can't post a message and everybody go like I have to go out and I have to get people and I have to show them so when I'm talking about the work I have, you have to run around you have to mm-hmm. take people there you have to bring it to you have to there's mm-hmm. phone calls there's emails there's, there's so much work in, into getting work done mm-hmm. which you know whenever the relationship come on it's the same thing it's it's the work that it takes in order to manage something and get what you want and sometimes you know you're not in a mental space to do it or you're not in a physical space mm-hmm. to do it. Sometimes you know it's Wednesday. I don't know. I didn't feel like getting up today. And you can't be that way if if your goal is your goal. Like mm. You you can't stop. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: say you're ready to go. Like you have to be ready to go, and you have to. You so have to. How,
4: so how is it that you continue to push yourself? You say you can't stop. You got to get the people to. How can how do how do people push themselves? Because if I'm feeling like I can't get up, then nine times out of ten I probably ain't going to get up. So.
2: When I when I speak about people, you know, I, I speak about people who's understanding, who's going through it, been through it, who, you know, the people who's gonna be watching this podcast, the people who's suffering off of this, the people who've seen people suffer and have an understanding.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How do you get through it? All right. So the first question is, do you are you happy with your life right now? Do you want something different? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can say that you want something different now. Are you are are you willing to do the work? It's, it's gonna take mm. some work. Before we even talk about what else you're gonna get, cause I don't wanna scare you yet. Mm. You're not happy today, you want something different. Are you ready to do some work and let go of some things? Like can, mm. can you? Yeah, I can let go of some things. All right, so what can you let go of? Can, can you not party this weekend? Mm. Uh-huh. Can you Can you, can you uh, take a class on Monday night when Ratchet TV come on instead of watching it? I know you've been watching it for three months, but can, can, can you let some of that go? Mm. You know. And some things might be horrible like that. I don't look, know.
3: Our
4: book just
2: started, bro. <laughs> I can't be out here like that.
4: Like, you
3: know,
4: I got to see what Tariq is going to do. Nah, that's, 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 that's real life. I think that I was talking to somebody and I said, Black people are so twisted that we take these sacrifices and these punishments as a badge of honor. Motherfuckers think that a bird shitting on you is good luck. That's the type of life that black people don't have. When we look at it like, oh, he shouldn't, that's good Are you out your goddamn mind? Let, let's get out of this goddamn hole right now. You know what I mean? Like we have to not only
1: want more, expect more.
4: Sometimes people want more, but they ain't even willing to expect
3: more.
1: That's a fact. And it goes back to what you said about fear.
3: You know, uh, uh, I
1: don't know, that's, it. That, and that's a very real thing. It's people are afraid to fail, but I think a lot more people are afraid to succeed.
4: Oh, well, is she,
1: who is my... No, like... ah, I think this
3: girl got a Bible in the back. Yeah.
1: So, and that's a fact. Oh I, oh, I can do this and actually be different than everyone around me. I can do this. And then people actually know my name. I can do this. People actually see me. That's
3: scary. I'm
4: going to tell you something, and I don't even, I haven't even shared this. I'm going to share it with your podcast. So, 2018, December, I sat at my friend's house with a couple of friends, and I told them that I know that I could be doing good. But my fear was that I was going to get on a stage and a platform, and people were going to say to me, I was going to be up there talking about all this goodness and all this positive shit. And people like me, that nigga shot my brother. He did this. And that was a real fear for me because I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle that. because the truth is the truth. You understand? And I don't expect people to forgive me for anything that I've done, you know, I forgave myself and that's really good on the inside. Mm -hmm. But if you got a motherfucker walking funny, then he's going to remember you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was like, I don't want to grow. Because I feel like the next phase is going to be It's like, going to expose me. Right. Mm-hmm. And my own girl, and I call her Sailor Moon, because she's one of those, like, moon and stars chicks. She's like, all the stars have aligned and, <laughs> and all this other stuff, right? And I love her to death. Shout out to Sharina, I love you, right? And she said, Trey, what you have done, you cannot change. And what you're going to do, they cannot change.
3: Mm-hmm. And that was it.
4: In 2019... I got 26 awards, five city citations. And I took that and I said, I'm gonna make sure that I make this the best year of my life because I am absolutely bugging. I wasn't scared when a motherfucker put a gun on my nose, but I'm scared of what people gonna say. Something ain't adding up. And I said, I'm gonna be the roughest, toughest speaker out here, goddammit. You know? And, and, we talk about the faith, it's real, yeah. it's real. You will really hold yourself back because you're like, yo, I don't wanna address that. And what I found is when I took this course, and it's a credible messenger course, right? So a credible messenger course is be, for you to be able to tell your story how glorifying the negative aspects of this. It's a national course. You go out and you speak and you tell them that you went to prison or whatever the case may be, rather than domestic violence, whatever. You tell about, you know, whatever the case may be. And during the course, one of the weeks, it said, that you had to speak about the skeletons under the bed. Mm. And I was like, you know, as we went through this, this, this lesson, it really was speaking about exactly what I was going through. How you will willingly hold yourself back because you're so scared that people are going to see you and people are going to see the success and they're going to be like, we're going to charge and We're going to attack him. You ain't going to be successful, but you got to understand that people are going to be who they're going to be regardless.
3: Yeah.
4: You know? And like I said, I just took that and I don't have no fear in the fucking world, man. And, and what i found is that people are bothered by the people that are viewed as narcissists and all this other stuff. But all the narcissists that I've looked up were great. And I think that the reason why they were like that, especially when you come to certain things, is because you got to have some type of hierarchy in your head mm-hmm. to face society. Your because even together. if I'm a boxer and I'm 30 and 0, it's still a nigga saying, you're going to lose soon. Why you got to say that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> why are you praying on my downfall? And I had to make sure that I beefed up my self-esteem security mm-hmm. you know and, and you know and to anybody that's listening i know life is difficult especially right now make sure that you beef up your self-esteem security because that self-esteem will take you a long way and the self-esteem is the steam of your motherfucking self in you know, the words of cat williams <laughs> that can't be bought that can't be taught it can be learned it can be understood you have to make sure that you understand that like when I was younger and it's funny because I use it with my program and when I'm doing like different um because we're doing telehealth now so people calling for groups you know oh, yeah. what I mean <laughs> and I tell them y'all are the greatest that ever lived don't you ever forget it and that's the words my father used to say to me when I was younger
3: oh that's dope and
4: I found myself saying it and my father used to always say that and he used to always quote Shakespeare to thine own self uh, be uh, true <laughs> And I was like, you know what, he's absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like, when all else fails, as long as I know I'm as real as I can be, you can't tell me shit. <laughs> and I ain't gonna allow you to tell me shit. Because I know that sometimes people project their fears on you more than they project. Yeah, ain't gonna do it. That's another, <laughs> oh my God, this girl, man. Too much freebies, Enough man. It.
1: Just sitting here like a bobblehead. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I ain't
4: say, don't say this girl nothing. I did nothing. I just- you know, it's it's, it, it's yes. so real, man. But like I said, I'm so grateful for dudes like black black men that stepped up
3: yes. when nobody
4: else stepped up, when nobody in that jail stepped up and was like, "We're gonna take you under the wing and you gonna get it together." You know what I mean? And you know, for a small tag off of his story. The one thing that took
2: away all my fear of progress and is one of the first jobs that I, that I had in there was uh, GED. And you know, you have 20, 22 guys in the classroom, you know, and they studied, studying didn't get GED and they're all on maybe different levels. But when the test comes around and you know, you had those five or six guys who passed and and you realize, I mean, the excitement that you see in the guy that you actually helped that you sat there and you. You know, just just somebody that you don't even know and you helped him accomplish something. The greatest accomplishment probably in their life at that time. Mm. And you see that joy in a person. You're like, no matter what I did in life, if I can get somebody to feel like this, Mm -hmm. this is, I'm okay with that. You can say what you want about me. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. I, if I go through a GED class and only five people, it's not only five people, the five people that pass, like that's enough to keep me going. Like we're gonna run another class. Mm-hmm. So even when I started my counseling, like if I can help you get through one little slip hole in life to help you progress that much more, like, you know what, my, 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 my days is accomplished. Like I'm, I'm gonna keep going. Like this is, that's, that's,
4: that's what keeps out of it. Yeah, and, and it's true. I got to do right now that I just graduated last week from 19 is 39. 19 years old he's either been on parole or been in jail never ever finished parole out in the street and when he actually finished one time he was in jail for a new charge and this man is finally finishing parole in december he's been out for the longest he's ever been in his life and we had this conversation and I was just so proud of him because the supervisor from parole was like, I don't know what I think you drug this nigga because we know him for years. It don't make no sense. And I said, you know what I did? I empowered that man. I told him flat out. I'm so glad you know how to go back to jail. But do you know how to live out in the street? You want to show me something? That's gangster. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And when we would have our individual sessions, when we was in the office, I would put him. In my counselor's chair, and I sit where the individuals is supposed to be. I said, because you could be doing this, but you playing games. You got the world of experience since 19 years old. I said, you got the world of experience, my man. And you know, and to see his progression, to have the conversations, to actually be tapped into the hood, and they like, yo, the nigga said he didn't even fuck with the niggas no more. He done excommunicated himself from his sect." And I'm like, yeah, it's real progress. You know what I mean? That's real. That's real, And things like that is like, this is what we doing for, man. I don't, yo, don't get me wrong. The recognitions, the awards, they nice for my peoples because I want them to see that I'm still working for them and all that stuff. I don't care about none of that, bro. I'm trying to keep niggas from going to jail. I'm trying to keep niggas home with their families. You know what I mean? I'm trying to keep niggas to understand that, yo, this ain't no joke. My crime took me 30 seconds to commit and eight years to get out of.
3: Mm. Wow. And
4: I've always been about numbers. And if you ask anybody, <laughs> those numbers is kind of well, twisted. That, that Some ain't added no. Like Three years in prison and five years parole for, for a 30-second crime. And that's what I talk about when I go out on the street. You know what I mean? And I've come to the stage because I remember even as a counselor, because he was counselor, I didn't even know he was counselor. Then I found out he was counseling and we was working for the same organization. That's the crazy part. So I met him out there, we chopping it up this, this, this. And he said, You gotta understand that you ain't gonna be able to save everyone. That's a fact. You know, and when you go into this field, you be like, I'm here to save the world. That's it. That's it. Everybody, don't worry about it. Come with me, get on my back.
1: Then you're just happy with one.
4: (laughs) Right, right. I'm
2: just talking who's listening, That's it. I'm gonna say the right things all the time. You
1: know, and
4: and and he taught me that and What I've learned to do is just empower people like how he empowered me. The course was called Criminal Thinking, and it was about the thought before the action. And that has carried me through parole after parole, because it's easy for me to bust a nigga head wide open. But after that, consequences, we not with that. You know what I mean? We're not with that, we're not, we not doing that. And I think that, that is, it's important that we identify that. We have to put the people in the position that people are gonna actually listen to. You know, it's, it's crazy. And I had a conversation with a, 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 a white director for parole, Mr. Davies, he retired. And he said, I say kind of the same things you say, how come they don't listen to me? I said, because you're white and you're in a suit. And you're a cop.
3: Mm. That's
4: why. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of strikes. You understand? And he was like, "Oh, I said, mm-hmm. but what you can do is create these platforms for me to come and we can we can we we can join in this success together." You know what Mr. Davies said? Whatever keeps people out of prison and we need those people. Why not? We need those people.
1: So, you guys have already dropped so many gems. And I always like to end off the episodes with Something you want to leave the listeners with, right? Something that you, it could be anything. It could be a mantra that you 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 kind of tell yourself. It could be a le- one of the, maybe one or few lessons that you've learned, but something that you feel is important. If the listeners ain't listening to nothing else, <laughs> they listen to this, just one part. What is something that you want to leave them with?
2: Em- embrace the change. Everything's about embracing the change. Like, don't let the fear keep you in any situation that that you're in if you're not happy or if it's not productive for you first and then the people that you love. Know that if you want to change and you want something different, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some sacrifice, but it's going to be better than where you are today. And just, just, just embrace it and 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 go. And when you go, you know what? You might need two or three people. You know, find some people to support you and help you. It's not, it's not a solo mission. The decision is a solo decision, Mm -hmm. but the mission is never solo, man. There's people out here that's willing to help, that's willing to guide you, that's willing to even, you know, support you in getting where you got to get to. You just have to make
4: that decision. Brace to change that's it man my man og black i better <laughs> stop playing out here man i brought the og out man
1: what you dropping on him dre nothing
4: that's it what i what i'm dropping on them is what you want is on the other side of fear
1: mm-hmm.
4: that's it and that's all what okay, you want come on over come on over to the good side Come on, over
3: to the real.
1: Thank you so much, fellas. I'm so grateful that both of you are the first, the first from my segment. on brothers, y'all are right. This was y'all dropped so many gems. I just, I'm, I'm gonna really meditate on this conversation to be honest with you when we're done. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope to see y'all again. <laughs> you Dre's talking smack over there. <laughs> if you want it? Come through. We can talk I'm about. Saying, about it, it. I'm okay? <laughs>
4: I, I'm gonna find the episode because you gotta get your homegirl because she was talking crazy. And we Which one? It was
3: quite a few of them. So I don't know. It was uh, bring something, them
4: all. Something just wasn't right. We gonna check that.
3: You know
1: what I mean? We Let me know who you talking about and we can get this going. I'm with it. I'm always whoever talking.
4: was talking. Bring them all. It don't matter. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> bring them all. We, we, them we on Zoom. We might. Light
4: them up. Light them up. <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank you so so much.
4: Love is love, Queen. All right, man. Peace, Queen.
1: For today's Connection Corner, I leave you with a quote from Andre's moon and stars friend Shireen, a.k.a. Sailor Moon. She states,
0: you can't change your past like they can't change your future. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Oasis podcast. I hope you were able to find something that resonated with you on your journey. Don't forget to subscribe. Share this episode and like us on Instagram at The Oasis Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us on Instagram or email us at ajsoasis at gmail.com. Again, that's A-A-Y-J-A-Y-S-O-A-S-I-S at gmail.com.